0: You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast, powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Good morning investors, Bradley here from Watson Estates. We are number one on Google Podcast for Toronto Real Estate because we bring you guys the news every single day, including Saturdays, and that's today, May 23rd, 2020. I hope you guys are excited to hear what's been going on in the city, get some news, and I'm learning too. It's been a great journey tuning in with you pretty much six days a week. And not to mention our videos we put out on Wednesdays as well, that get uploaded on our podcast episodes. We're putting out a ton of content because let's face it, there is so much going on right now with COVID-19 all over the place here in the city of Toronto. Today, we're going to cover some pretty interesting and heavy topics. First, we're going to talk about what will happen and brace yourself when evictions are allowed back in Ontario what will happen with these landlords, with these tenants. We're going to talk about what that would look like and then will Toronto experience a price crash. We're going to kind of look at some of the forecasts we've seen in the past. And then we're going to talk about what is the real estate brokerages kind of saying there's this big battle going on and you're going to see the dynamic happening between CMHC, Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation, and between real estate brokerages and brokers and economists. There's so many question marks. So we're going to cover what some more facts are for that and kind of bring you guys up to speed on that big debate as we've been doing every day. And then we're going to wrap up talking about the city of Toronto. They are talking about making some, pretty significant cuts. And so we're kind of keeping our finger on the pulse. Will they be saved by the province, by the feds? What's that gonna look like? And they've actually published a list and Tory has been very blunt with some of his claims that cuts will need to be made. And he actually shared a lot of those. We're gonna cover what those look like and what options are available for the city. Now, on a personal note, I'm pretty excited. We actually were able to book tickets to the Toronto Zoo, the safari that they have. My wife, Sandra, was in line as of 9 a.m. yesterday morning, and then she actually got kicked off. There was a bunch of news articles talking about that, and she logged back in at 1.30, and all the way up until 6.30, finally I can report, we will be seeing monkeys. It was worth the wait, I'm sure. We're so excited to be able to do that and to take our daughter, Emily, there. We love the zoo. That was one of the things I said early on when the closures happened that I missed because it kind of feels like a bit of a, a holiday, even though we're still within the city. So let's jump into some real estate news here. And I wanna kind of warm our topic up about this idea of evictions, talking about this article, a very fascinating dynamic that's happening out in Markham, Ontario. It's called, the article comes from Global News, landlord in eviction fight with real estate agent. Check this out guys, listen to this story, it's so fascinating. No wonder they wrote this as a story, as, a, as one of the scenarios of what's been going on. It's a very unique one. A Markham, Ontario woman says she has been struggling for months to evict a non-paying tenant who has previously used as her real estate agent. So her real estate agent is the tenant. The ones who helped her buy the same property. A fight with no clear end as landlord tenant hearings remain at a standstill amid the COVID-19 pandemic. When Natalie Wilde's husband Stefan was diagnosed with an aggressive cancer in January, this is the landlord, the family decided to downsize to a nearby rental property they own better suited to her needs. So we're talking you got to get out because I got to move in. Our current home has a lot of stairs. He was unable to walk comfortably, she said. So Stacy Kellenjian, this is the realtor slash tenant, who was a friend that initially agreed to move out by the end of April. But Wilde claims that when she mentioned her current home was listed with another agent, her attitude changed. So really interesting scenario. So the claim here is, is this was her agent but she's also her tenant and now this lady who's the landlord's decided she wanted to work with another lady to sell her property and so her attitude changed man things are not looking good and rico is on it so i'm not too concerned when you get rico involved with against real estate agents it gets brutal it's a bit of a bloodbath i feel bad for this agent even even if she's guilty i feel bad because that process sucks so they sent her an email saying she was blindsided quote that was by the the tenant or realtor by the decision to sell the home through a different agent since she had tried selling the home for the family years earlier. So I guess she had tried doing it. And so apparently she was asking for compensation. This is according to the landlord of $1,500 for her past work. You don't do that. You can't do that. That's the, unless you've got it in writing. If this is the, this is the beautiful thing. A lot of people are like, why would I work with a realtor versus list the home myself? Those costs of putting it up front, those upfront costs, you got to pay for those. If you're listing your home by yourself, that is a risk. That is a real business risk that a, that a realtor is taking by listing your property. That's how I view it. And so you're saving, you're removing that risk yourself. And so this is why I prefer to work with people that I like and people that I trust and have a relationship with. It's a, it's a two way street, right? Like you think you're shopping for a realtor, but For the good realtors out there, the realtors are shopping for you as well because this needs to be a partnership. Now, apparently there's been some miscommunication on the compensation for this person. And so now she's trying to claw some money back, which based on what I'm seeing, she's kind of run away from that saying, you know what, I'm not trying to ask for compensation because she doesn't wanna link it. If she ties it to this, she's not gonna have any recourse. And so she denied, she demanded payment as a condition of negotiating her eviction. And it's really disheartening that someone's taking pure advantage of a really terrible situation. So this is coming from the landlord, right? And so it's a really funny thing because I think sometimes people partner the landlords and the realtors together. Like I am a realtor and an investor. And so sometimes they get mixed. But what's funny about this situation is that the realtor is actually the tenant. I used to joke around actually before I owned a property, I was selling real estate as well. And I used to joke that I was the homeless realtor. I thought that was hilarious. And so to own a property, if you're a real estate agent, you don't own a property. It's a very peculiar situation, but this is obviously the case here. And so it kind of flips the situation on its head. So who do we feel bad for? Obviously we're gonna hate on, in this article, we're gonna hate on the realtor, right? Because you're the professional and you're taking advantage of a system that's built for you to be able to take advantage of. And so we find ourselves in a dilemma for people who are maybe tenants or people who don't like landlords and are very pro the little guy. Well, what happens the moment the little guy should know better. Do we still get mad at them? Anyways, Harry Fine, a Toronto paralegal who specializes in landlord tenant issues said the existing backlog of cases is quickly growing amid the pandemic, leaving the system in a quote crisis state. And we're going to get there in just a second. Oh, you better wait. Some of these quotes we we got quote bloodbath, man, when you start seeing bloodbath thrown around, it's going to get really interesting, but we've got this conflict happening between landlords and tenants. And I would argue in its current state right now, it's very pro tenant, right? Everything is in favor of the tenant. If you are saying, Oh, that's why when, when I see these tenants standing on the grass of landlords with picket signs and complaining, I'm like, I get it. There are situations we've seen. Even in this article, there's, there's situations where landlords are showing up with these little ATM machines and they're saying, pay up, pay up, pay up. And the reason for that is they have no other recourse. Landlords have no other way of collecting rent. Now we'll see from the stats that about 90% are paying. So it's a very small amount. Of course, the news talks about the little stuff and it's a very small margin, but the reality is that 10% of all rentals is a still a significant number. Quote, it's beyond description. He said, this is the, the paralegal, the problem for landlords who are going to lose their properties and tenants who are going to lose their homes. And then it kind of goes back and talks just to wrap up this article for this individual wild's husband this is the lady who needed to move in for her husband died from cancer in april she is now seeking to evict for non-payment rather than move into her unit which for any of you who are trying to evict as well you know that is an impossible process right now so the question is, is what happens when you're allowed to do it again and this this particular agent is being looked up by rico again a terrible place if you're ever kind of dicked around by a real estate agent, contact Rico. I'll tell you, make your life a nightmare. It is, it is a bad process, but they are, they exist to protect the consumer and to make sure that agents aren't doing things like false advertising or screwing people over, screwing up the consumer. And if they are, they can slap you with some serious fines or removing your license. So it can get, and it's, it's a brutal process. I'll just leave it at that. And so are there realtor scamming system legally? In this case, yes, right? Like if, if you are a tenant, but the reason they're able to pull this off is because it's so strongly worded in favor of the tenant right now, but that's gonna soon change, which we're gonna see in a second. I got an, actually a comment from the name on YouTube is W, and this individual said, how about tenants that aren't paying their rent? Won't that cause a collapse? And the reason for this is I've been kind of leaving it out to you guys and asking the question, where are we going to see some shocks in their system right because i think we're starting to see this bit of a balance that's in our marketplace today based on the stats and we're going to kind of talk about that in a minute as well but the question is is i think there needs to be a significant shock that happens and could a huge increase in evictions be an additional shock we were talking i believe it was yesterday or the day before about this idea of a second crash which we saw in 2008, where there was kind of a crash in prices, which we've experienced, but then there was a sudden huge surge of prices over the next following three months in 2008, followed by an additional crash that put the prices back to where they were. Could this be that additional crash? Only time will tell, but let's get into this article because I don't want to delay it anymore. I'm so excited to share it with you. Oh, it just sounds so good. Here we go. Toronto renters in for a quote, bloodbath of evictions after pandemic ends, advocate warns. And here's the thing. We have concerns you're going to see in this article from both tenant advocates and landlord advocates and from lawyers. So everybody is freaked out by this whole dynamic that's happening. Here's the article. Some landlords in Toronto whose tenants are struggling to make rent after losing their job due to COVID-19 are exerting undue pressure for payments. Advocate says, including showing up at their residence with an eviction notice or a machine to take immediate payment. For now, that's about all they can do, since the LTB, the Landlord and Tenant Board, that adjudicates on disputes between the parties has postponed eviction orders and proceedings with only urgent matters being considered via telephone or in writing. You know what, if you're in a state of emergency, just send us something through telephone or through writing. Like they're they're not, they're only dealing with urgent matters. And so all of these evictions, they're getting stockpiled, like huge numbers, which we'll see here. So. Look at this. He calculates, this is talking from, this is Gordy Dent, the executive director of the Federation of Metro Tenants Association calculates renters who fell into arrears in April may have created the adjust, the justification for some 50,000 landlord applications to the board compared to roughly 4,000. It deals within a typical month. That's crazy guys. 50,000 relative to that's That is more than 10 times. That is more than 10 times the typical month. Of applications and why is that? Because 10% of renters are not paying their rent on the residential side. And we can't evict them. So they're just getting stockpiled. Everyone seems to think May will be worse, he said. The Federation of Rental Housing Providers Ontario, it's a fancy way of saying these are the guys that work with the landlords, reported 10% delinquency in April, a tenfold increase from a typical 1% rate. Again, the reason this, this lines up, right? The reason you're seeing 10 times the eviction notices is because you're seeing 10 times the delinquencies. Like it lines up exact. This is probably why they got that assumption of that's how many we're gonna see. But you could sit back and think, okay, well, can you actually evict me after the fact? Well, I would argue based on what I'm seeing in this article, yes, right? Unless something happens where the government provides some kind of support or prevents that from taking place, of course they're gonna collect their rent, right? Res- the only difference, what I'm actually starting to see here is there's not a whole lot different between residential and commercial. The only difference right now is the ability to evict, right? That's what separates residential from commercial currently. And that's the big difference in, in the safety net that it exists for commercial tenants, which is why creating a ban on evictions for commercial tenants kind of really messes things up. And we've kind of talked about it in the past, but this is the key difference. And both of them are floating around 10% delinquencies. That seems to be pretty consistent on both. Oh my goodness. All right. So then they're talking about how it's kind of younger people in the gig economy, you know, or single people with single dwelling. They match the fact that the average Toronto rents for one bedroom rents for 2100 in Toronto, which is true. But the the emergency payments are 2000 a month. So right there, if you're a single person, you're you're short, right? And and that's just in rent alone. Premier Doug Ford said in late April that he would ask the federal government to work with the province on a residential rent relief program, but none so far has been forthcoming. This is something we've been talking about for probably over a month now, and this is where I'm like, if you come in now, now if you were to bring this up now, it's like, okay, well, you're kind of late to the party, right? It's like it's it's like these these we're in this really weird, interesting position where it's like, I'm th- my thought is, is you've got 90% of people paying it. What kind of program can come in and save the people that didn't pay the 10% didn't pay, save the landlords, but not encourage the other 90% to not want to not encourage the 90% to, to stop paying. Right. Because if I, if I knew like as a, like just strategically, I'm collecting 2,100 and I owe 2000, right? I'm in this scenario, even if I collected 3000, right? That's a huge chunk of my money. If there's any world where I cannot pay because the government's going to subsidize that you bet your bottom dollar, I'm going to do it. Right? And so that could create additional conflict and this might be why they haven't done it. But even if they do it now, it's so late to the game. It's like, come on guys, like these programs that have been rolled out to try and save our economy are just all failing here. In the absence of rent relief and or prohibition against eviction on the basis of late rent during the months of crisis, there will be mass evictions, right? So this is, comes from Parkdale Community Legal Services, Cole Weber, right? If, we, if there's nothing to prevent these evictions on the tail end of all of this, there is going to be massive evictions, right? Which would be a bad time to be looking for a tenant for your rental unit, right? Like if it's like, it's like I've been sitting on this market for three months, I haven't had any tenants. But you know what? There's a lot of people out here now. Yeah, that might not be the people you want to be renting renting to right now. So a very strange situation. And I would say like let's let's think of an additional shock, right? Like maybe we've got people who are, had a property on Airbnb in a short-term rental. They're, not, they're struggling, right? So they're like, okay, I'm going to switch over to long-term because I need the rental income. And then they're putting on the rental market and we're being hit by 70% and they're not getting a tenant there either. I'll tell you, you're, it's very difficult right now. And so they're thinking, well, if I am tight, they were already tight. They switched because they were tight. Now we might think, you know what? I don't have a choice but to sell, which right now is a pretty decent environment to sell. Like it's actually not a bad time to sell. Things seem to be picking up a little bit. If if you've got a lay of the land, that is. It's not amazing, but it's better than trying to find a tenant. And so we might have an influx which could also adversely affect price. So many things going on, which is why I wanted to put this at the front end of our podcast, because this this to me is very interesting stuff. So and just to give you some personal insight as well, I actually was looking at some properties yesterday with some clients, one of which had a tenant. There might have been others with a tenant, but definitely one did because we showed up at the property and this these people were there. In fact, the one guy was sleeping in the bed. This happens more than you think. Right. I've seen some strange things. So someone sleeping in the bedroom while we walk in during the bright of daylight is not an unusual thing. But the lady was requesting that we wear both masks and gloves and sign a disclosure form. And I had booked the appointment about 24 hours before and I didn't get this notice until like the morning of. And I, when I arrived at the property, I had gloves on. My tenant, My client did not, but I had extra gloves in the car so we were able to get that sorted. But she was adamant that we needed to wear gloves. And she has the right to do that. That's her property. She's, yes, they're selling it, but she lives there. That's her home. And so there are a lot of things to protect the tenants. And I do think that some people who are selling take advantage of the tenant, but you guys as tenants, you should know your rights if that does happen. But this is the thing she apparently was telling us she had three people the day before just touching a ton of stuff. And I could tell they were freaked out. Like they were germed up. Like we actually didn't touch a single doorknob. We asked her to open everything cause they stayed at home. And we had masks and gloves and we were like, we were just, just, we might as well have had our hands in our pockets the whole time. So anyways, I'm gonna leave that part there because I want to start talking about our marketplace. And there's, it seems to be this feud happening and it happens on social media and it happens in, from economists, it happens even within real estate offices. What's gonna happen to our prices, right? And you guys are definitely asking the same question because if you're not asking the question, then I don't know why you listen to my podcast. Like this is what we've been trying to figure out for the last month or two. Okay. So just to preface and they preface in this article, this article that we're going to be kind of highlighting is Remax's article and it's called no Dive ahead for Canadian real estate prices. I felt like we needed to have one of these articles in here because we've just come out of what they mentioned at the beginning of this article, the CMHC report, which is just like making headlines across all real estate newscasts right now. Like if you, if you look at Toronto real estate, I'll tell you three or four of the first, five of them are talking about CMHC. Like what they came out with is just, it's kind of mind boggling because it's a, it's a Canadian housing corp. So they said that the average house prices could fall up to 18% over the next 12 months, talking about kind of Canada, they were talking Canadian. So what Remax did is they said, oh, let's look at like kind of ground level, let's look more local and break it down by city. And they said here, supply and demand dictates housing prices. So they're making the case like, In fact, they called that that forecast was a dismal prediction that's being challenged by Remax. So they're calling that 18% fall a dismal prediction. And we've seen a lot of people arguing that prediction of the dropping. But this is one of them. Remax brokers are reporting at ground level housing inventory is down in many markets. Demand is still high and multiple offers are a common scenario. Assuming that demand continues its current course, Canadian real estate will likely remain relatively stable or experience a single digit price correction at worst, which is a far cry from CMHC's dire decline of up to minus 18%. And one of the things I wanted to highlight here, they said out of Remax sellers simply won't accept that kind of discount on their listings. A statement of this nature is panic inducing and irresponsible. So very critical of what CMHC has said and But I would also argue you're also standing on a really solid position here saying that there won't be, it won't accept a discount on their listings. I don't know if I buy that either. So we need to be careful, right? Like we've got, we've got, I think there's a bit of a divide happening where some people said that nobody will accept a discount on their listing. This is the Remax position. But then we've got CMHC that's pretty much saying everybody will experience a discount on their listing because things are just going to hell in a handbasket, right? They didn't say that. (laughs) That's not a quote. (laughs) <laughs> that's not a quote. Uh, and you can't quote me saying that either because I said they didn't say that. So you can't quote me either. All right, uh, swimming, in, swimming in deep waters here. Late last year, REMAX expected Canadian real estate prices to rise by 3.7% in 2020. A few short months later, COVID-19 threw everyone through a loop. So they were expecting just under 4% for Canadian real estate. Obviously Toronto was more. CMHC warns that mortgage deferrals could rise. This is one of their big points in that argument from 12 to 20%, which is one fifth of mortgages ending up in arrears. So if one fifth are ending up in arrears, that is kind of like saying that they're thinking there's gonna be people dumping their properties, but they didn't actually say that. They said it could happen. And then this comes from CMHC CEO. they one of the things they argued at CMHC, the resulting combination of higher mortgage debt, declining house prices, and increased unemployment is cause for concern in Canada's longer term financial stability. I do think as well, CMHC is using this as a stepping stone to try and create like a motivation that gave up money earmarked to save the industry. And I think that this is them saying, this is what will happen if we don't save the industry, but we have these billions of dollars to save the industry. That's also what I think is happening here and is kind of being missed. However, the big banks, economies, economists, and many realtors aren't aligned with CMHC expectations. So based on just to highlight some of the forecasts we've seen, CAIBC, they say between five to 10% fall. We've seen RBC declines of 7% and BMO expects a 5% decline. So again, mostly single, declines right in the banking segment. And these are economists. Now people could argue whether they're right or they're being biased. I don't, I don't care. Right? Like this is what they're saying. The big banks, like what else do you got? Right? CIBC deputy economist, Benjamin Tall said it is this is talking about the CMHC report. It is a worst case scenario or a best case. I think he was highlighting a worst case scenario. And I agree. I do agree. I think that is their worst case scenario because they don't want to be They don't want to underestimate that. They don't want to underestimate that and then not have the supports in place to save the day. A single digit decrease in house prices can be justified as a correction is a far cry from CMHC's trough of 18% drops, which this was kind of the name of our podcast yesterday so they talk about toronto specifically toronto real estate is experiencing a proportion of declines in new listing and buyers and and list like listings to buyers so we're seeing a steady drop we've talked about this toronto homes are currently selling for asking price or slightly above or below this is true about 98 percent, as we've seen in the recent numbers the region has not experienced any decline in price and if current conditions continue there's nothing to indicate the prices will fall between 9 to 18 percent, as cmhc predicted like in toronto so one of the big things I've been saying about the CMHC prediction is, is it's Canadian-wise, right? It's Canadian. Yes, the fluctuations happen severely in Toronto, but they also rebound more quickly. Like the extreme fluctuation goes up and down. And so to say that Toronto as a first-tier city is going to get the same impact as the country is not true. So to look in my perspective, to look at what they're saying locally, if CMHC has something to say locally, I would listen. But, but from what I can tell, they don't, right? At least not in their generic 18% drop statistic. So we're left to look at these ones. Toronto continues to experience multiple offers scenarios. True. I had a property we put an offer on very quickly. In fact, it was zero days on market. You can actually put an offer in on a property zero days on market. And that's the day it's listed. And we ended up backing out because we weren't interested in the property, but we, I just got an email yesterday. I was telling my client, we got, they got three offers on that property right now. Good thing. We went in fast. Like it's crazy out here, guys. And of course this is not specific markets, but it's still a very supply. There's a supply shortage. Even now there's a supply shortage. It's a seller's market. When government financial aid runs out and the six month mortgage deferral expires, people may then start listing their home if they can't afford to keep them. So this has been the article from CMHC's reporting. That could be a shock. Okay, let's take that into consideration, right? as these deferrals are no longer allowed. Now, will the bank will, will Canada allow the deferrals to continue? Maybe not, right? Like this is something we definitely need to be paying attention to because the banks are, and they're factoring that into your application for mortgages. Even today they're looking at those. Okay, cool. Hope you guys are tracking with us. Lots of stuff told you it's going to be heavy. And I want to share with you one more thing just to brighten your day. I want to talk about Toronto's services cuts. Because it's going to brighten your day because you're going to have to be walking in the outdoors in the hot sun. That's pretty much the only way it's going to brighten your day. But before there, I want to talk about kind of the opening, too, because we've seen a couple articles just to share the the headlines. Doug Ford may yet have to make the hardest decision of the pandemic so far, shutting down the province down, shutting the province down again. That came from the Toronto Star. Is shutting down the province again a harder decision than shutting down the province? Probably not. But I get what they're saying, right? Like this, if that happened, that would suck. And we've seen cases going up. But there's another article from the toronto sun you can see both sides the left and the right here even doctors now believe it's time to set ontario free and that was a very interesting article definitely not worth reading into further but these are interesting headlines and so the question is is will we reopen time will tell but in the meantime we've got significant pressure coming down on municipalities we've talked about this in fact i was able to ask questions of the mayor of mississauga Who's, who's saying the same stuff as the mayor of Toronto. These big cities in the GTA are struggling. They are going to run deficits. There's already been significant cuts made. And according to Mayor John Tory, there will be additional significant cuts. Very, very, very significant cuts. Mayor John Tory has laid out, this is a CP24 article, this in the starkest term so far, what it would mean if the higher levels of government don't come to the table with significant help for Toronto and Canada's other financially devastated cities. Guys, this is not like, he is not over exaggerating. He is, he is extreme, but this, the situation is very extreme. Okay. We need to be real. We should as investors be paying attention to this big time. It might not even be a, a bad idea, to look, and you know what? I'm I'm crafting my video for this week. This might be something I consider as a video topic, is what cities are gonna get screwed. Like this this might be the biggest problem right now is these municipalities, in all honesty. In a news conference Friday, the mayor laid out a bleak picture of a city that would have fewer subway lines, less frequent transit services, hundreds fewer police officers, and less help from the city's most vulnerable residents. Quote, I believe it is important for everyone, especially Toronto residents, and residents of the GTA who rely on Toronto and stable local finances in their own cities to know how terrible and devastating these cuts could be. Like nothing we've ever seen if the other governments don't decide to step forward and invest in the well being of our city. Not even an understatement, guys. Not even an understatement. Toronto is facing a best case scenario shortfall of $1.5 billion in lost revenue this year. The city would have to raise property taxes by an estimated. I hope you guys are sitting for this one. Forty-seven percent, forty-seven percent increase in property taxes. Damn! In order to make up that shortfall, Tory said, adding that such a hike would be "quote unacceptable." Unacceptable. That is, those numbers are going up every month. Like we were talking about this a month ago. Nothing has been said. Nothing has happened. In fact, in Canada, municipalities fall under provincial jurisdiction. This is important to note. Ontario law prohibits municipalities from running operational deficits, meaning the city cannot simply borrow money to make up for shortfalls in its deficit in its budget. When I first heard this, I actually wasn't hundred percent sure of it. Now I am, but that was like a month ago. Like we're, we are way past the point of needing help. Like there needs to be something without the help of other governments or or a massive property tax hike, the only remaining option would be drastic cuts to the city services. So Tory's like, I'm not getting any help from the province. And the province, as we'll see in a second, won't do anything unless the feds help. And so nothing is being said. And so he's left with either property tax hikes or service cuts. And I would argue guys as much as we're going to lose jobs and have half a billion in slash budgets to the CTC, that is better than 47% property tax increase. Like, if you're like i it's it is a rock in a hard place we're talking millions of dollars for police services fire services and shelters recreation programs library city-owned long-term care homes would be cut Nineteen thousand city employees would lose their jobs this is a quote from tory i've had a lot of encouraging words but encouraging words don't buy child care and that and they don't buy transit and they don't buy help for homeless people and they don't buy anything quite frankly this is true. Tory, man of strong words lately, and I would be too. But listen to this. This is a joke. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has said little about what help Canada cities can expect. Premier Doug Ford, whose government is responsible for Ontario's municipalities, has said that help for municipalities will be a, quote, big ticket item, and that Ontario can't help cities unless Ottawa comes on board. Let's just pass the blame. Meanwhile, these poor municipalities, not just Tory. Tory is obviously in Canada's greatest city, in my opinion, and a huge one. And we're talking half, half, like a 50% increase in fees. But other big cities have significant increases in taxes. Oh, man. John Tory said, the days of reckoning are approaching. It is getting rough out here, guys. Again, one of the biggest things we should be paying attention to, because this is going to have some big impacts on everybody, like everybody. And we've seen bailouts happening. I believe I've even heard of like municipalities in the U S being bailed out. Like it's not an unusual thing. Am I excited for bailouts? No. Is anybody excited for bailouts? Yeah, probably. I mean, there's some people talking about like universal CERB, like whatever, but, but the point is, is there, there are bailouts happening. And if there's a place that needs a bailout right now, it is the municipalities because you're going to feel that directly. Now, not every city is in the same situation, but, every municipality given this law preventing them from running deficits is struggling absolutely plenty of other groups have gotten help from the other governments and i'm very happy about that i supported that strongly and i still do but i think the cities given everything they do to deliver on the, the lot on a lot of the services people rely on including most vulnerable people are in need of that help now so here's a question do we get taxes raised or do we get a bailout I still think a bailout is coming, but where the hell is it? And I would encourage you guys to reach out to your local MPPs, reach out out to your local MPs, right? Because if the MPs are what's holding it up, we need to let our government people know what we need. And what we need is to not have a 47% property tax increase next year. And I actually just like took the liberty of taking a look at what the toronto zoo is owned by of course they're owned by the damn municipal government of toronto please don't take this away from us my wife sat on the computer for all day yesterday we just want to see the monkeys we just want to see the monkeys i'm gonna leave it there i'm taking a day off tomorrow as i do every sunday spend some time with the family but i will see you guys bright and early monday morning with some more fun stuff related to the toronto real estate market i'll see you next time take care and keep it real